0: Welcome to BODCAST, the Business of Dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. BODCAST delivers the best business advice, real-life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now... Here's your host. Hello, and welcome to this latest edition of podcast. My name is Nigel Jones. I'm the Sales and Marketing Director of the Practice Plan Group of companies, which is Practice Plan, DPS, and Medenta. And I'm basically just uh, recording this podcast to talk about the latest position with NHS dentistry within England. Um, I know there's been an awful lot of change um, going on, a lot of discussions, a lot of proposals in Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales and hopefully we'll cover those in a separate podcast very shortly. But for the moment, I'm going to focus on England and uh, uh, particularly the communication that came from NHS England uh, early in April. So um, I think probably the first thing to say about the uh, the letter that got sent on the 5th of April was um, about the timing of it. Uh, that's obviously drawn quite a bit of criticism from right the way across the profession, because There there just seems to be this lack of empathy for the fact that people are running small businesses that uh, require a level of organisation and has a number of operational challenges. And to um, be given um, information about how they're expected to practice, what activity targets they're expected to reach several days into um, the period of time that they're being measured against just seems seems to be lacking in respect has been uh, one thing that a lot of people have said. And I think uh, it it probably does say something about um, the issues that um, are facing um, NHS England and the Treasury with trying to uh, kind of square these circles, because if you genuinely wanted people to remain within the NHS dentists to support NHS dentistry, on the face of it, you simply wouldn't treat them in the way that they're being treated with these either last minute or even beyond last minute communications. So um, I think it says something about the complexity of the current situation, uh, as, as well as maybe um, some might argue a degree of clumsiness. But I think the timing of that communication is, is is something that is worth thinking about and dwelling upon, because the additional stress that would have been caused by the delay is is unhelpful, particularly for a profession that's already feeling quite stressed. But then if we turn to the content of the um, the letter itself, Uh, Obviously, the activity target had originally been positioned as going to be rising to 100%, and they may consider that lowering it to 95% is um, a concession, uh, something that demonstrates some of the empathy that I was just suggesting might be lacking. But um, various people have commented on that, saying that that's um, not not really the way that they see it. In fact, um, the owner of a very large NHS practice with a large NHS contract. Um, said that in his opinion it actually works out not at 95% but 101% because when you factor in the bank holidays that are um, prevalent in this first quarter of this um, new contractual year um, then it, it, it isn't quite um, the the giving that it sounds and um, I think there's there's also some some real challenges with just going to 95% because um COVID hasn't gone away. And that's a statement to the obvious, but um we see that um in the news constantly that um, infections are at record levels. So that has a number of knock-on effects, whether it's to do with sickness levels amongst patients, so last-minute cancellations, or sickness levels amongst the practice team, including um, dentists. That has knock-on effects that make main going to 95%, or as this practice owner put it, 101% is incredibly difficult at the moment for people. We know from um, some of the information that is available that uh, slightly less than half of practices didn't make the 85% threshold. So so how with infections that are so rampant, people are expecting most um, practices to make 95%. I I must admit, I'm, I'm really unclear as to how realistic that view is. Of course they point to the fact that there are a number of practices that have overachieved um, against their, their contract contracted activities, so uh, 100% plus of activity. But what is lacking is some detail about which practices have managed to do that, and certainly there are many, many practices with very small contracts. A lot of people that left in 2006 um, actually took adults out of the NHS, but retained a small contract for for children. And if the practice is a fairly big practice, then overachieving against a relatively small contract value um, may not be that that difficult, may not be that challenging. So it, there's a bit of lies down lies and statistics that uh, may be at play here. So I think some more detail of that would be helpful. And also I understand that um, there are some certain things that have yet to be clarified when it came to that communication, um, such as uh, whether or not any shortfall um, within this first quarter can be made up over the remainder of the year. That isn't um, explicitly mentioned. I know the BDA is seeking clarity on that. It does seem to me unfortunate that um, uh, NHS England didn't run the letter by the BDA just to, Um, at least potentially anticipate some of these questions that have arisen because maybe they could have been nipped in the bud um, with uh, some amends to the letter but that's not where we're at right now there are still some points of clarification that needed which doesn't help those stress levels and I think actually that point about whether or not you can spread um, any shortfall over the remainder of the year is quite an important one because I know a number of practices that were aiming um, to achieve the 85 percent target as was I know it then got um, the letter communicates 75%, but after the event um, doesn't help the people that had to operationally give them their, gear themselves up to achieve the 85%. And I know for many practices that involved um, insisting on associates um, cancelling holidays or practice owners cancelling holidays or delaying them into this first quarter. So you've got that added pressure at the moment, as well as the sickness levels arising from COVID, you've also got potentially people that are already tired, already stressed, already feeling on the edge of uh, burnout, um, being asked to move their holidays yet again to ensure that people don't fall behind that 95% target. And of course, right now, although the SAP has been removed, the um, IPC guidance hasn't changed, so that needs to change before actually a, a real step up in productivity um, could even be contemplated. So, so it's 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 an interesting time. I think the the speeding up of the treadmill um, is not going to be well received by many people at all. I'm sure there are exceptions to that. I'm sure there are practices that are feeling reasonably comfortable with being able to meet those obligations, but I know a great number of practices very uncomfortable with what's um, what's been uh, proposed, what's being put forward and what's being asked of them there. Um I suppose the, the other thing that wasn't in the letter was really any detail about changes to the um, NHS England dental contract. We've been promised quick wins and we've been promised longer term contract reform. Um, I understand from talking to the BDA that the quick wins, uh, and to, to quote Eddie Crouch, are in quicksand. They don't seem to be heading anywhere very fast, and we should have had um, details of that ready to communicate. But from what Eddie has said, it's only really going to involve uh, a redistribution of the existing pot of money. So won't fundamentally address uh, a lot of the challenges. So it might involve a retargeting, a repurposing of existing budgets to particularly um, uh, priority groups of patients, for example. Uh, but it's not going to fundamentally change change the contract. So I think that's, um, that's disappointing that uh, we're not going to get something that is uh, more substantive at the moment. And when it comes to the longer term uh, contractual reforms, that's also um, sort of sounding like it's a bit of a problem. I know we're, we're supposed to have had um, details of uh, the, what's proposed for the longer term for the um, NHS dental contract in England. Uh, published during the spring so we're into spring now and as i understand it negotiations with the bda haven't even started so it's extremely hard to imagine how um, sufficient progress can be made in the next couple of months to allow that commitment to um, a a new uh, contract or new contractual arrangements to be communicated um during spring i just i can't see how that's going to happen that's 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 a, a real tall order i I do have a lot of sympathy for those people trying to um wrestle with this this conundrum trying to keep patients, the profession and um nhs england government the treasury happy is is i think proving to be impossible hence delays and hence um the apparent lack of progress but something has to change and i think the situation is getting more and more urgent as as each week each month passes we we know that actually um it's probably never been a better time to go private practices um have held back from going private sometimes because of the loyalty to the ideals of the nhs but there are ideals the practices are finding it increasingly hard to live up to so the other thing that keeps people in the nhs is a fear that they couldn't make a success of private practice but because of all of the waiting lists and because of the demand for straighter whiter teeth actually dentists that do want to make a life for themselves outside of nhs dentistry can do so they're in in a very very strong position to do that so so the flip of that is that the nhs has to offer hope and optimism that it can become more attractive um and it can actually become the better place for the dental profession that boris johnson promised earlier in the year now um They have to move quickly because the situation with the lack of associate dentists and uh, the the competition for dental nurses is is having a significant effect. We are speaking to so many practices at the moment who are feeling forced to go private because they are not able to um, recruit associates or not able to retain their existing associates due to competition from private practice. And uh, I think as that treadmill speeds up, it's going to get harder and harder for um, practice owners to retain associates who could potentially go and work at a slower pace for the same or more money elsewhere in the private sector. So that's that is going to be a real challenge. Obviously, one solution is to potentially put um, the the uh, earnings of associate dentists up the hourly rates of dental nurses. There are limits to what um, dentists in England can do in that respect because of the cap on contract value that that uplift in costs. I mean, we know the contract uplift isn't going to um, cover even the basic cost of living uh, rises at the moment and the cost of working rises, let alone these specific challenges to do with what you have to pay associates and dental nurses to retain their services. So the NHS is really going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat quite quickly if it's going to stop, as Sean Charles would put it, the hemorrhaging of dental talent from NHS dentistry. And as I mentioned before, the the opportunity to go private is a very, very real one. We're seeing um, ourselves, we're we're helping ever increasing numbers of dentists make that move away from um, the NHS. It's easier at the moment for the, the reasons that I've touched on. It still needs some thought, it still needs some planning, it still needs some preparation. You need to get all your financial ducks in a row. You need to think about various um, aspects of what such a change would mean. Um, Clearly, there are impacts on people's retirement planning. If you're moving away from the NHS pension, you need to get proper specialist advice, potentially from one of my colleagues at Wesleyan Financial Services um, about that and actually about all aspects of your personal finances when you're making that that significant change. But the actual business change, the moving of the practice or a proportion of the practice away from the NHS to private needs some consideration. That There are ways of assessing the risks. There are ways of having a plan to mitigate any risks, um, getting the team on board, all of that kind of thing. So what people are realising is that that first step away from the NHS with the right planning, with the right preparation, with the right advice and, and guidance, is um, far more achievable and attainable than perhaps it's ever been during the course of my 32 33 year career working with a dental profession so it's a really interesting time i think there's still some unanswered questions from the communication that came out from nhs england um, i think there are some ramifications of this that will take a few weeks or months to to emerge um, i think uh, nhs dentistry is going to be under increasing pressure Particularly driven by the difficulty of retaining associates within um, uh, NHS dentistry, and I think um, it, it's quite possible that the trickle that's already become a stream could become a flood in fairly short order, unless something emerges from um, NHS England and government in in you know a fairly quick period of time. So I hope that's been useful. Thank you very much for listening.